Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. In the beginning of our gospel lesson for today, we see Jesus coming into a little town of Nain, and a great crowd is with him. Now, this crowd would have included his 12 disciples as well as his other disciples, like the 70, but also just his faithful followers. Now, there may have also been some people who are with him who just hope to see a miracle. Regardless, this large crowd comes with Jesus, of whom John says, In him was life, and the life was the light of men. Jesus himself says, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Just think how full of life this crowd must have been. They heard Jesus preach his sermon on the plain. Then, as they went into Capernaum, they witnessed Jesus heal the centurion's servant. Now this lively throng has come to the gate of Nain, just a day's journey from Capernaum. But here, at the gate of Nain, they meet another considerable crowd coming from the town. This is a very different crowd. This crowd is mourning the death of one of their own. The widow's only son has died. First, she lost her husband, and that was bad, but at least she had her son. Now, she has no hope. Her son has died. With no son, the widow will have to rely on charity from her own family and from those around her. Now she follows her son to his grave. She follows him with tears and anguish. And the crowd that comes along has no reason for hope. The widow's only son has died. The crowd is full of death and despair and hopelessness. And at the gate of Nain, like two crashing waves, these two crowds collide. One full of life and hope, and the other full of death and hopelessness. Now, I'm sure you have all been to a funeral or had a funeral procession pass you by while driving. We know there are some rules of decorum that you are supposed to follow. You know, when driving down the road and you see a funeral procession, you're supposed to pull over to the side of the road and wait reverently. At a funeral, everyone is quiet, and we all seek to comfort the bereaved. But what else can we do? What else can we say? Death is going to have its way, and we have no power or authority to do anything about it. Jesus, on the other hand, when the Lord saw the widow, he had deep compassion on her and said to her, Do not weep. Not in some crass way, no, but out of loving compassion for her. But what gives him the right or authority to tell her to stop your crying? Who is this guy to speak to a grieving widow like this? And you all know exactly why. Jesus is the Lord of life and death. At his word, all life was created. He then shows the widow why she can stop crying. Instead of moving out of the way of the funeral procession, Jesus plants himself directly in the way of death. 
Jesus, the source of life, reaches out and stops the casket. He stops the pallbearers dead in their tracks. Right here, life and death collide. The pallbearers and all of the crowds that were there must have been taken aback. In touching the casket, Jesus made himself unclean according to the law of Moses. But Jesus, the resurrection and the life, would not be moved. And with a word, death must release its hold on this boy. Jesus says, young man, I say to you, arise. Luke says, and the dead man sat up and began to speak. Everyone in the crowd saw just what authority Jesus had to tell this woman to stop her weeping. This man was dead, but now is alive. Jesus, the only begotten Son of our Father in heaven, gives the only begotten Son of the widow of Nain back to her, that he might fulfill his earthly location to love and care for his neighbor, starting with this mother. Now the widow, who only had mourning and struggle to look forward to, has hope in the future. Now she can sing with the psalmist David, you have turned for me my mourning into dancing. You have loosed my sackcloth and clothed me with gladness, that my glory may sing your praise and not be silent. O Lord my God, I will give thanks to you forever. And did you notice that there were a few similarities between our gospel lesson and our Old Testament lesson from 1 Kings? Actually, some of the similarities and differences are worth pointing out. Elijah does indeed raise the widow of Zarephath's son, but he takes the son to the upper room and laid him on his own bed in private, while Jesus raises the widow of Nain's son in front of two large crowds. Elijah, a man under authority, prays to the Lord to raise the boy to life. And Jesus, who is the resurrection and the life, who is the Lord of life and over death, reaches out, touches the casket, and speaks a word. By his own authority, this man is raised from the dead. Notice they both return the widow's son to them, so that the sons may live out their lives. But in these contrasting events, we see why the crowds would have confessed that Jesus is a great prophet who has risen among them. Now, you might be wondering, what can we learn from this death that is staring us in the face? Well, we were once in that crowd of death. No, we were once in that casket. You were once in that casket. Maybe not a casket of wood, but we were even more dead in our sense. Just as Paul says in his letter to the Romans in chapter 5, just as sin came into the world through one man, and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all sinned. Again in Romans 6, he says, For the wages of sin is death. Just like that dead boy, there was nothing we could do. You were spiritually dead, and the dead cannot do anything for themselves. If things kept going the way they were, that crowd of death would have carried the boy right down 
to hell. Thankfully, God had compassion on us and showed his love for us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And he has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For as by a man came death, by a man has come also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive. Therefore, in your baptism, Christ, who is the resurrection and the life, with the same authority he used to raise the widow's son from the dead, he raised you from the dead and brought you into that crowd of life. He brought you into the family of God and he called you to be his disciple. Just as we learn in the small catechism on holy baptism that we were therefore buried with him through baptism into death. In order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. But now what? Now that we have been raised from the dead, now that we are part of the crowd of life, now what? Each day will be a struggle with sin and death and the devil. Luther explains the old Adam in us should should by daily contrition and repentance be drowned and die with all sins and evil desires. And that a new man should daily emerge and arise to live before God in righteousness and purity forever. In the final verses of our gospel, we see the response to Jesus raising the widow's son. It says, fear seized them all and they glorified God. It is only natural that the raising of the dead would cause them to fear just as they should properly fear God and glorify God to worship and to praise God for his great work. In the end, only one crowd left there that day. A lively crowd professing a great prophet had risen among them. This is a good confession. As we saw, Christ's authority is even greater than Elijah's. Elijah speaks the word of the Lord, but Jesus is the word made flesh. Elijah prayed to the Lord to raise the widow of Zarephath's son, but Jesus, the resurrection and the life, raised the widow of Nain's son by a word, by his own authority. Now the crowd has professed God has visited his people. This may not seem like that much of a confession unless you have the little background from the Old Testament. Very often the prophets would tell the Israelites, God would visit his people and save them. Isaiah's prophecy of the Emmanuel in chapter 7 says, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel. In Matthew 1 we learn that Emmanuel means God with us. This is professing God has visited his people. It is professing that Jesus is God and he has visited his people to save them. This is evidenced by the fact they spread the word, as verse 17 says. And this report about Jesus spread through the whole of Judea and all the surrounding country. Now, as part of the crowd of life, Jesus Christ, the resurrection and the life, is our Lord. We are disciples and the faithful followers of Jesus, 
Even today we confess that God has visited his people as we hear his word and receive his true body and blood in Holy Communion. We know that none of this would be possible if Christ had not humbled himself to visit his people in humiliation, even unto death, even death on the cross, that he would save us from our sins, from death and from the power of the devil. But even in death, Christ is still the Lord. And Jesus says in John chapter 10, No one takes my life from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I received from my Father. Luke says in Acts chapter 2, God raised him up, loosing the pangs of death, because it was not possible for him to be held by it. Therefore, all of you who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death. And if you have been united with him in a death like his, you will certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. Just as Jesus says in John chapter 11, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. Jesus says that you will die. One day you will be in that wooden casket. You will be placed in the ground, yet you will live. You will sleep, awaiting the resurrection of the body, to be brought into the new heaven and the new earth on the last day. On that last day, Christ, the Lord of life, will declare to you, as he said to the son of the widow of Nain, I say to you, arise. And you will arise and glorify God with all the saints, saying, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, amen. amen. And now may the peace that surpasses all human understanding keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus to life everlasting. Amen.